Ted Jones messed with the wrong melon farmers. Ted Jones, I also call him the eighth wonder of the real estate world. Ted Jones, who knows, you know, it could be... Ted Jones? The Ted Jones World Podcast. Fifty-three boys and girls. Producer Pat, how are you, dude? What's up? What's going on, dude? How are your little eyes? I know you just went to the doctor. Can you see straight? No, nah, I can't really see close up because they dilated my eyes. But we're getting through it. We'll be oh, okay. So uh, the dilating of the eyes is also like you can't see uh, computer screens either. I thought it was just you couldn't read anything up close. Well, yeah, the computer is close to me, so I can't really. To Shay, Pat. <laughs> All right, man. Well, a lot happening here. We have a very special guest joining the podcast. But um, first, Pat, I just want to let you know, man, I slid into a girl's DM this afternoon, <laughs> gave, her, gave her the same line, that same classic line, and I got a phone number back. I was like, hi. I My never line? Slash? No, well, no, no, no. Not your edible. Hi. Oh, okay. Should I send All you right. edible arrangements or regular flowers line? Just my classic, hi, never do this, but, you know, so she was like, oh, I don't believe you, but we'll see if that will work. Pat, we have gyms opening tomorrow. I'm going to be crushing it in the gym. You better believe it, pal. I'll have my little mask on, and we'll see. Maybe I'll go at 6 a.m. Side note, not very side note, episode 15, which happened a very long time ago, about a year ago, actually, a matter of fact, we had Christy on, superstar women's tennis player she is playing serena williams currently over my shoulder as we speak so go christy on let's see if she is going to take serena williams in this battle in the u.s open so no fans so she's got to really step it up all right pat let's introduce this guest that we have minor league pro baseball player joe zangy joe how are you bro where are you I'm I'm doing, man. I'm uh, I'm actually in Milford, Connecticut, right now. So not in the right. city. Just you know, back in the suburbs, mom and dad's place, kind of getting through this COVID thing, like everyone else. I hear you, man. So, uh, Joe, why don't you give us a little bit of a background on yourself? I gave you a quick um, intro. You know, being a minor league baseball player, but what is the mindset right now? Um, of a guy who's at his parents' place right now, because Pat and I have been experiencing the same thing, man. It's just, I mean, it's just a grind. The minor leagues is a grind as is. This year has just been, you know, another uh, another thing you got to battle moving forward. So you um, spend, um, sorry to mean to interrupt, but you spent uh, 2019 in upstate New York. So kind of let us pick your brain in terms of like, what really went on when you were upstate New York and then hearing that the season was basically canceled fully from COVID? Well, no. So we were in, we were down in Florida when we got the news, um, you know, it was during spring training. They were like, Hey, pack, pack your bags. Like you got to go home. Cause this is like getting pretty serious. So all of us are thinking, all right, it's just going to be, you know, a couple of weeks to 14 days to slow the spread. And, you know, we'll go back and it'll restart. And then, you know, weeks kept going by. And we were like, what is going on? And uh, now we're here. September so did they, ju- did they just send you back home? They didn't really give you too much of a direction. They were just like, all right, you got to leave Florida. We'll figure this out. I, th- I think they were just as surprised at, as we were. I don't think like anybody in the organization had any idea what was really going on. I think it was more MLB as a whole saying like, 
we can't have this, you know, coming into organizations and, and spreading throughout. So. I mean, do you have like an exact date of when you got that text or everything was canceled? Was like March 12th, March 13th. Right. Cause I remember for the most part in the NBA, you know, we're t- talking about um, at NBA games just being postponed or, canceled for the most part and i gotta i gotta get your opinion on the celtics later since i know you're from connecticut i wonder if you actually like the celtics but we'll hear about that later so like i i just feel that once covid kind of came across the headlines of the u.s was yeah right around march 15th and then everything just shut down so they send you home they were like, all right, maybe you'll be back in two weeks. So that's kind of how everybody was thinking about it. Like Pat and I, for the most part, we have not seen, or actually for the hundred percent part, Pat, you and I haven't <laughs> seen each other in how long, dude, six months. And you were yeah, sitting on this couch over here, man. Now I'm in the studio alone, but uh, how did the pay structure work, man? I, I, they just sent you home and were they like, all right, we're going to pay you through the remainder of the year. How did, how did that happen? So thankfully, I mean, the Mets, the Mets were one of the organizations who the whole time were like, hey, we're going to pay you like, no matter what, like, you're going to keep, there was maybe like two other organizations, like from the beginning period who were saying they were going to do that. I'm pretty sure all of them ended up doing it. But the Mets right away, so thankful for it. They were just like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to pay you. Like, we're going to give you money. Um, It's not exactly what we'd be making during the season, but you know, it's enough to get food and, you know, not have to go get like a full-time job while, while this is all going on, you know, enough to live off of. hundred percent. So you talk about potentially even thinking about getting a full-time job. What, what are you doing now in between uh, when COVID started middle of March until, you know, the beginning of September? Luckily the place that I train at um, baseball wise, um, you know, the owner of it gave me a key let me go in there and work out. So I at least had a gym and, you know, I could work out by myself and, and still get my work. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for him. His name is Mike Porzio. I mean, I can't thank him enough because I was able to, instead of during that time where everybody might've been, you know, hanging out, like couldn't really do much. I was able to get in and get my work in and, and do what I had to do. So in, ter- in terms of training now, um, I know people are probably super careful, especially if somebody opens their doors uh, to you just to come in and train whenever you want. Do you have somebody there catching for you? Or do you mean like working out, like you're just working on lower upper body stand? Yeah, so I mean, from that standpoint, it was strength. And um, I bought a net that I could throw into. Nice. So I threw into that. Um, I had a high school kid who lives pretty close by who uh, – would come out and catch me and you know we kept I kept my circle small you know there was three people that I would see I would make sure those three people were doing their due, di- due diligence to make sure that they weren't being exposed and you know we did what we had to do to continue getting better so being a pitcher and just literally needing to be ready to go if they call you tomorrow uh, do you feel like it was any different from when you were a catcher initially? Because I know you were a catcher before you even became a pitcher. So what what was that kind of transition like? And how did you decide to be, you know, almost a major league pitcher now and just switch over from catcher? Because it's not like switching from wide receiver to quarter cornerback. Right. I mean, I think once you start seeing guys throwing 90-mile-an-hour sliders, you're kind of like, all right. I don't really want to hit anymore. You know, it's easier to throw that and get guys out than to actually try and hit it. Yeah, why are you – I mean, not you in particular, but why are you guys so bad at hitting, dude? 
Dude, <laughs> you just don't practice? The stuff that, I mean, the stuff that these guys throw, it's just, it's incredible. The fact that anybody can hit it blows my mind. I mean, I give so much credit to professional hitters. I mean, all hitters, collegiate hitters. It's hard, man. It's so hard. I hear you. So uh, before this podcast, I actually sent over a screenshot to Joe because uh, I told him that I won Little League MVP when I was 13 years old. I was like, dude, he's not going to believe this if I send this over. So my coach from when I was 13 years old, I asked him what my batting average was. And he was like, dude, it must have been like 892 or something. They got you out one time. Pat, I see you smiling. I was no joke. But to be honest, the competition was really not too hot. We got into the mix of like the city and state tournament and we lost pretty, pretty early, like before the Williamsport tournament in general, like Harlem represented New York and we probably lost to Harlem. If I remember in like the quarterfinals. So the competition wasn't too tough, but dude, I definitely hear you in terms of once I was going from like the Peter Stuyvesant Little League MVP status to really going and playing against these kids from Harlem and kids from all over New York, it's, it's a different ball game. Like watching these pitches come in, it's like, yeah, you're a solid hitter and stuff, but like seeing fastballs come in when I'm like 12 or 13 years old at 65 miles an hour is a lot quicker than seeing them come in at 50 miles an hour. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. So what do you think that, um, the difference is between each level of baseball. So if you can kind of break it down for us, you know, obviously as I was just bragging, um, I was fresh at baseball back in the day, but dude, I feel like going from college to getting into the majors itself is actually like a huge to do. Like how many levels are there between college baseball and then through to the majors? Dude, it's, it's actually crazy. Like, um, Miners have like eight, nine levels. Yeah. So uh, all the way from like the Dominican has their own league and then it works up. There's two Dominican leagues. Then there's a GCL, which is like uh, for the rookies, you know, short season, low A, short season, high A, low A, high A, double A, triple A, big leagues. I mean, it's, uh, it's no joke. I would say the biggest difference is once you're in professional baseball, you – probably have the tools I would say it's just consistency you know who can flash those tools you know day in and day out on a regular basis that's what really makes the difference between you know minor league or college player and, and, a, and a major league player right and then uh I mean are there people that you know of maybe specifically anyone who was drafted in your class in uh, 2015, you were you drafted the 24th round and 715 overall. But did you come across anyone, or have you come across anyone that's you know that you've been pitching against that was like a top 10 pick that you know their time should have come already? They should be in the majors already. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's such a crapshoot. It's I mean, if you're hot at the right time, if somebody your position gets hurt, I mean not just being good enough, but, you know, you have to have some things kind of fall your way to get into the big leagues. You know, there's these top prospects and the top prospects usually, you know, work their way up and they get there because they're just naturally just that much better than everybody else. But other guys like me and, um, you know, you got to catch a few breaks and you got to stay consistent. You got to keep working. You always got to be getting better and staying on your, on your stuff and on your craft because, 
yeah, there's guys that you're trying to get to and beat, but there's also guys who are below you trying to do the same thing to you. So you always have to be, you know, one step ahead of the game. You talk about being one step ahead of the game. And uh, I don't know, there are definitely like a lot of controversial topics in Major League Baseball that for the most part are taboo. But during this quarantine time, I would assume that it's got to be tough for baseball players to stay in shape. One, their cardio is never really at a high level. And then two, to go out and work on your craft and not really just be playing baseball at all. Because it takes you know, nine people on the field and then the person at bat to really even play baseball. So what do you think the disconnect kind of has been between people um, – you know, going in, in quarantine six months ago and then people coming back? Are there certain steroids that people potentially take to last? Or, or what's, what's really the deal? What's the secret I, on uh, I, staying fit? I think especially professionally, I think most guys found a way to, to get something in, to, you know, find a gym, you know, buy weights, go to their neighbor's house who has a gym in their garage. You know, they were, I'm sure that, most pro guys were doing something to stay in shape. And I mean, a baseball, as long as you have 15, 20 baseballs, you can go throw into a fence somewhere. So you can keep your arm in shape. You can go outside, you can go run. I mean, the biggest problem was probably, you know, weightlifting, which, you know, guys, guys probably found a way. Right. Was there a specific place that pitchers in general, like go to train? I know you mentioned you guys were all in Florida. Did people shoot over to the IMG Academy or something like that to work with other people or was everybody kind of on their own? Right. So there's, there's plate. I mean, there's like some places like that in Connecticut, like guys from New York will come. Um, I work at one, like in the off season, it's called a clubhouse where some pro guys come in. There's other ones and, you know, pro guys who are, in a close enough area to each other, find a way to connect and work with other pro guys. You know, iron sharpens iron. You always want to stay in that group of people who understand, you know, what you're working toward and, and you know, what your goals are and how you're trying to accomplish them. Right. Um, speaking of accomplishing goals, I guess I'll uh, go on a little bit of a tangent, but this is the juicy stuff. So the Astros, the Houston Astros were cheating in 2017, 2018, stealing signs. They beat the Yankees in one of those years. And I'm a Yankee guy. And I was pissed, man, to hear this. So how do pitchers decide when it's okay to being a player? Like, how, how does that work? Do you guys talk about it in the dugout before? I mean, honestly, it has nothing to do with I mean, it's kind of just, it's not, I'm, it's you not. Can be, you can be candid, man, because we all want to know. We saw this guy on the Dodgers, Joe Kelly, being one of the Astros, and then he got suspended for eight games. But in the meantime, these Astros players didn't get suspended for an inning, which is crazy. I, dude, I'm team Joe Kelly. Team Joe Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I hear team you. Team Joe Kelly. But, uh, no, I mean, it's not, it's not your decision. Um it's not the pitcher's decision. Usually it comes, it comes as a, as a team. Um, it's not on the pitcher. Um, you know, it's a team. Everybody as a team collectively understands if there's a reason why somebody should be hit. And it's just, you have to have the knowledge and understanding of the game to know when it's, when it's the right time to hit somebody and you don't go head hunting. You know, you're just trying to send a message. You know, right. Don't, don't aim for the heads. 
I mean, is there really a way to tell, though, whether it's sending a message or not, besides, like, throwing it behind the batter and, like, clearly missing their head by a couple feet? Yeah, at the professional at the professional level, if you're missing that far inside, you're probably not that bad. To get <laughs> I think you know where you're throwing the ball. So uh, it's definitely a message that gets sent. And, you know, it's understood on both sides. And most of the time, usually, like, the message gets sent and the other team will respond or the other team's like, okay, yeah, like, we get it. Like, we fucked up. That's have, awesome. you, uh, have you heard about – the MLB potentially moving towards a bubble form, like a bubble format for the playoffs. I know that they've been paying attention to uh, the NBA a little bit and trying to get an idea of what they want to do. I honestly haven't heard any, anything about that. You know, I haven't really looked into it that much. I would imagine that, I mean, that, that would be the right, the right idea. I would guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially just with like, the inconsistency and players from random teams just getting sick and then all right I think quarantine go ahead especially during playoffs you don't want you know your best guy to go out and all of a sudden he's down with COVID and now you know I think I think it would be the best thing for the league at least during playoffs no I agree just to keep everyone in the same uh bubble for sure all right Joe so we have Christy on tied with Serena Williams right now, Christian from episode 15 in the U.S. Open. I'm sorry, I'm watching over my shoulder, but by the time we put this out, you guys will already know what happened. So just Google that. You don't have to keep listening to me, but you must keep listening to Joe. Joe, we have a question that I think a lot of people listening and watching want to know, man. What is the most popular little snack in the dugout are we talking sunflower seeds a little dip a little chewing tobacco or big league chew man let us in wow it's actually a great or big league chew also bazooka gum i would think so i mean i think it, it's it's a combination i mean technically in the minor leagues dip is banned so uh, oh, wait, wait, really? Yeah. Is it is it banned in the majors? I didn't know. I think in some in some in some cities, like I'm pretty sure there's some cities where you're not supposed to be chewing tobacco, and I'm pretty sure that carries over. Nobody really cares. I mean, it's baseball. Like, it's kind of just. It's one of those unwritten rules that you don't follow. This particular rule. Yeah, it's just kind of like everybody. <laughs> um. But yeah, I would say it depends. It definitely depends a lot. It depends on, you know, what the guys, I think for bullpen pitchers like myself, we tend to go toward dip because we don't do anything the whole time. You know, most of these games we're sitting there for, for five innings, six innings, you know, waiting. Other guys who are like playing constantly, I, I think they, you know, they're more gum. You know, they're not trying to, you know, be spitting and doing, having dip in their mouth while they're, while they're playing. I don't and, know. Yeah, and is is doing chewing tobacco like dip a rite of passage for baseball players? Like I remember the first time I did dip, it was it was freshman year in college, and I was in in my uh, in my buddies' room playing like NBA two K ten, and I just I just went white, man. My face <laughs> went white, and I just started spinning out. But do you guys like all have to pack a lip in order to, like be accepted by the squad or what? <laughs> No, not at all. When I mean, I fell into the trap. Like I was a young guy, and I saw all these like 
you know, and I'm trying like not to be that guy anymore when I'm like around, like I'm trying to get off, off of it. Like it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's addicting. Right. Well, but is it, is it kind of like when you're on the mound, you just kind of have that feeling and you're just like, all right, this is exactly. It's like an oral fixation. You're just like, all right, I gotta like be doing something. Yeah. I, I, I definitely, I, I even have that with food, but sorry, go ahead. So it's just like, I mean, you see like your idols, the guys who you look up to like doing it and you're like, man, I want like, it's cool. It's cool. I mean, it's Definitely, the worst thing dude. The high, the high socks at shortstop, mouth full of seeds, or, you know, lip full of right. dip. It looks good. Right. It's just it's definitely the worst. If anybody's listening to this, it's definitely the worst habit you could ever. <laughs> yeah, man. It is pretty gnarly. <laughs> Joe, so we talked about the Celtics earlier, man. You're living in Connecticut. Um, Connecticut does have a WNBA team, Connecticut Sun. Am I right, Pat? Um, correct. All right, cool. So uh, we want to get your opinion on the NBA playoffs, man. Uh, Celtics are playing game five tonight, I believe. Are the Celtics going to take it to the Eastern Conference Championship? Are they going to be playing the Lakers? What do you think, man? Picking your brain about basketball a little. I don't know. My friends uh, listening to this who are all Celtics fans, I have to say that, yeah, the Celtics are going to win. All right. That's what I'm talking about. Um, but I'll, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a huge NBA guy. I just, uh, you know, I follow Kim. I, I follow the Sixers, uh, you know, when all that was going on. Kim Caspari. Um, so Kim was actually on episode what, Pat? I'm putting you on the spot, bro. Don't know. I believe it, I believe it was, I believe it was 44. We're going to look that up for you guys right now. But Kim was on episode 44 or something. And she was actually in the bubble, um, in Orlando with the nba but sorry go ahead yeah so i was uh i was following that because i mean obviously it's it's kim it's my cousin you know i want to see you know how her work is is progressing and otherwise i'm i'm a i'm a college basketball guy i just like college basketball compared to the nba and the nba i kind of shy away from what uh what college team do you find where did you where did you go to school you went to community college right I went everywhere. I'm a, really? I'm a journeyman. I went to uh, UConn, Southern New Hampshire, and then uh, junior college. And junior college, do you feel like you uh, really improved your pitching game the most? Yeah, that's when I first started pitching, like actually pitching. And is so, that when you had switched over from catching to pitching or no? I was still catching at that time, but uh, I tore my oblique at the beginning of the season, so I couldn't swing. But for some reason, I don't know what it was about the swing. But I couldn't swing, but I could throw. So I was pitching all the time. Right. And it maybe made... it seems like the upper part of your oblique. I don't know. No doubt. Yeah, because maybe it's like the downward action compared to the – I don't – I have no idea how that works. But... but luckily enough, man, you were pitching, by the way, episode 47. Joe Zanghi's cousin, Kim Kaspari, was on the podcast at Jones World. And by the way, thank you guys so much for – Tuning in here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube, whatever. Give us a like, subscribe, or comment, whatever. We got Pro Baller, Joe Zhang, he here, man. And uh, we're just having a great time, man. So, for the most part, you're a Celtics guy, but why don't you give, uh, give us something, something juicy about your life, man? 
love life what's going on oh my god something juicy about my life yeah bro i mean we all need to hear something juicy we've all been in guarandena over here haven't seen producer pat in months and uh you know just give us the juice something juicy man um there's nothing really i mean my life is just <laughs> the juiciest thing about like my life is like sometimes i'll go out and like have a beer with my buddies like mm-hmm. my my days are exactly the same every day it's groundhog day really uh, so wait so break uh when yeah give us uh give us your daily schedule like a day like a tuesday or a wednesday all right so like today i woke up you know, I got my haircut this morning because I knew I was coming to see you guys. Yeah, dude, you actually do look super fresh. I'm sorry we didn't say that on the top of the episode, man. Everything is lined up gorgeously. I know I commented on your shirt, but the do and the facial hair look great. So keep going, bro. Hershey cuts. No, yeah, so wake up. Then, uh, you know, I went, took a couple swings with the golf clubs. You know, always got to, you know, keep refining that game, too. Um, then I went out. Yep. <laughs> got my got my workout in uh, about two hours through came back hung out a little bit and now i'm here is your diet the same as it would be uh during the season uh, i probably eat a little bit better right now and that's just because maybe you're not moving around as much because i'm not yeah i'm not on the road i have access to you know a kitchen where i can cook i'm not in a hotel room so what is kind of the what's kind of the uh the food on on the road for the most part usually it's actually pretty good it usually actually gets spread from like local restaurants and you know it's just um i kind of think like buffet style do you have do you have like a night where the coaches might just be like all right order off of this menu from this restaurant and then other nights you just get something packaged delivered to your door i'm yeah i mean like when we get like chipotle and stuff like that it's like mark your order but who pays, for, like, who pays for that? Uh, the organization pays for it. So they, uh, yeah, they give us like two, three meals a day. So, I mean. Okay. That's good that it doesn't come out of your pocket. I right, mean, right. You know, you know, right away. So, man, what is the ultimate goal for you? Now, obviously, the ultimate goal is going to be making it to the majors and getting called up. But what do you think uh, you're set out to do, Joe, in terms of baseball? Uh, in terms of baseball, you know, obviously my goal is to, you know, not just make it to the major leagues, but have a lasting career in the major leagues, which, I mean, there's a lot of guys who make it to the major leagues, but not many who stay in the major leagues. They're just saying that the easy part is making it, the hard part is staying. So my goal would be to stay in the major leagues for, you know, as long as I possibly could. But other than that, if, you know, that didn't work out, I'd like to, you know, guide people who are on a similar path in, in baseball and kind of point them in the right direction to, you know, not make the same mistakes that I did. And, you know, what the road of less, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but, you know, less issue is, you know, cause I definitely did it the hard way. I, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, I didn't understand what the baseball world was really like and how competitive it really is. I'm fortunate enough that, that, you know, my abilities have taken me to where I am, but if I could, you know, guide some kids to not, not do what I did, you know, their path might be straighter and they might have a more successful, longer career. When you talk about, yeah, when you talk about um, giving advice to the younger generation or people who are just trying to 
know, make it to the majors. What do you think that you do differently in the past besides start pitching a little bit later than you would have liked? No, I mean, it's so, it's so easy to get caught up in, in, in life as it happens. I mean, you're a young teenager, it's girls, it's, you know, going out to parties with your friends. It's DMing the same thing to 200 girls. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. That's what it is. It's your priorities are not in the right place. And if you can just see that in the end result is way better than all the stuff before it, all the partying, all the girls, all the whatever you want to say it is, if you can see that the end result is worth not having any of that. I think, you know, you can really change some people's lives. Totally, Joe. And I was actually, I was talking um, up top about how the gym next to my apartment is opening up tomorrow. I started hitting the gym for real, like almost a year ago. And I'm finally being like, all right, I got myself into a nice little routine. And if I look back a year ago and was like, all right, I'm going to have to do all this shit to work out and feel this way at this time. Cause we had, uh, we had our, um, our one year anniversary, Pat and I, we did put out our first episode, like 53 weeks ago or whatever but just knowing like what you have to really overcome and seeing yourself a year later is just it's just an incredible commitment you have to make to yourself because it's so easy just to be like oh yeah I'm the same this year same as next year it's hard to really put um you know put things into action unless you really see yourself at the long-term goal which obviously you know about so you know when you're 14 15 years old and and somebody tells you you need to lay off the chicks or stop drinking when you're in eighth or ninth grade. Like, you know, you look at them twice because you don't know anything about life. And this is where you want to be at this particular moment. So it always helps to have a mentor of some sort like yourself or you help out kids and just, you know, trying to get it into their head that right now is a super important time in your baseball career, basketball, whatever sport it is. And the chicks and the other distractions, man, will always be there. Yep. And the thing is, like, man, the kids these days, they're talking about stuff in sixth grade that I didn't know until I was, like, a senior in high school. It's the, it's the phone, I feel. It's the phone. I'm just I, – I look at myself at, like, look at these kids, and I'm like, why are you talking about that right now? Like, Dude, it's the Ubers. It's the phone. You just have so much quick, easy access. Oh, that, like, it's just – it's a different time. Like, we're all growing up in uh, a new world for sure. And 2020 coronavirus, hopefully we will get a cure soon. Sorry, quick, Christy on open. She is tied with Serena Williams at four all, or she's down three, four, 40, 15. So hopefully I'm not speaking too, too soon. And she holds serve. But Joe Zangi, anything else you'd like to, to tell us um, about yourself, man? That was pretty interesting, by the way, that little, uh, the little tangent we had. Pat, yeah. what about you, bro? Did you eat today, man? I forgot to check in on you on the top of the episode, Pat. Yeah, I had a little salad today. Bro, you want to know something else? I was fasting today, man. Got it 19 hours, and I wanted to blow my head off. But, hey, I'm taking up after Easy. you, trying to get a little bit more fit. And I was, as I was talking to both of you guys, the gym's opening tomorrow. So I might meet my future wife, bro. So Dude. I'm tight. Ted, you got to tell me more about your ideas on fasting, man. I've heard. Oh, I've dude. So, so, I'll, I'll, so quickly, uh, for the most part, I was not able to eat any real hard foods until 
eight months ago or so. So when I was starting to eat, like be able to eat hard foods like eight months ago, I had jaw surgery about um, a year and one month ago. So I really was not able to chew anything or take anything down like a chicken or a steak. So I started to become more, uh, I mean, excuse me, more plant-based. And then I just started eating not chicken anymore. I mean, we had an episode... <laughs> Chick-fil-A or Popeye's. And that was like the last time I had uh, chicken. Pat, you remember that episode? That was like back in December. So turning over a new leaf on the health front because my face was basically broken from jaw surgery because I had TMJ on one side. My gum was depleting. So starting from when I really physically couldn't eat steak and chicken, uh, my diet kind of changed and my lifestyle changed. So uh, doing a ton of research on veganism i at, like and a month after i became vegan i eat fish though so, so excuse me i'm a pescatarian but a month after that happened i watch game changers which is a great documentary on netflix if anyone's um if anyone has not seen it i recommend it i'm not going to push it on you but it just basically follows a ton of pro athletes who switched over to the vegan diet and they did quite well for themselves and then also i would do, would do or I have been doing more uh, more research into trying to find the best way to stay healthy. I had a knee issue about two weeks ago and I learned a lot about autophagy, you know, just looking on Wikipedia and stuff. Pat, you're shaking your head. So autophagy is the cleaning out of cells. So when I had this inflammation in my knee, I just went to the drawing board. I was like, fuck, I couldn't walk for five days, literally. So I went online and was looking at a bunch of Eastern medicine stuff and saw this guru from India just saying that anything can be healed by like a 48 hour fast, did a 48 hour fast. And now I'm starting to get into it. It's honestly like you're doing a drug a little bit once you hit like hour 19 or such, but hit hour 18 today, I had to order some food, but I, I recommend it, man. It's, if you just think about it, I don't want to say logically, but if you think about the human race and how we we're not we weren't able to get food every eight hours for the past X amount of time that um, humans have been around. So it just kind of allows your body to adapt and change out and clear those new cells, because like if you have a full stomach, there's no way that your body can really focus its energy on taking away the inflammation. So like doing a fast, like once it hits 18 hours, you really start to get to a new level and then so on and so forth up until like 72 hours until like you will start losing muscle a little bit. But for the most part in that first 72 hours, especially for men, you're gaining muscle. And by the time 48 hours rolls around, you have like 500% increase in HGH, dude. So you just wake up feeling bad. <laughs> So I recommend it. I didn't mean to go off on a uh, my opinion on it too much, but I just gave it to you. So, dude, there you go. No, because it's funny because after the season, I was, you know, I was doing a lot of research. I needed to, like, you know, I needed to change my life. Like, after the season, like, you've just gone through a whole season, like, a lot of drinking, a lot of eating, like, sh like shit. I mean, it's just, like, I needed a detox. So I was, I went vegan, and I did intermittent fasting for two weeks. And dude it's just like the weight shed off and when like, did you I, do this Who right knows? when i got back from the season so like probably the beginning of september 
I mean, I probably, I might've had chicken like two times in there, but for the most part I was vegan and I was doing the intermittent fasting. So I was only eating between like 1 PM and 7 PM. Otherwise I was not eating. And dude, it was like a complete detox in my body. I felt, I felt brand new. It was great, but I haven't done the, the extended prolonged uh, fast. What's the longest you've, uh, you've done? I'd probably say 16 hours. Pat, what have you, what's the longest you've done? Uh, I've done 48 hours. Right. I did. So what was my, what was my dude? I did 62 hours. I was dying on both days. You just have to like, kind of, you have to just kind of like tell yourself you're not going to eat or drink because of like a specific reason. And my specific reason at this time was my leg, my my knee actually, which is like feeling a a lot better. I wasn't able to walk, as I said for four or five days, but like now it is really uh, almost a hundred percent. And I feel like just uh, letting the toxins clear out a little bit and letting your body's energy focus on the inflammation and not breaking down food. I mean, it's, it makes sense scientifically, but people nowadays are so used to eating three times a day that if I really even suggested it to them, they might think it's, it's crazy. I mean, but obviously a pro athlete does it. So, I mean, how do, how do you feel about, people and other your team other teammates of yours eating eating habits um yeah i mean you kind of you kind of learn as you go i think the biggest thing is you know there's so many foods that are inflammatory so you try and limit those as much as you possibly can and everything you want to do especially you know post game is anti-inflammatory don't let those joints, all that stuff, start getting inflamed because you might have to, you know, pitch again tomorrow. So it's a lot of, a lot of turmeric, a lot of turmeric. And you just kind of, you know, stay away from the red meat, um, lean meat if possible, you know, all the, all those fats kind of, you know, build up. And I don't know, you're, you're always, you're always learning. Like I learned, like I'm learning from you right now, what your, what your fasting does for you. You're saying that so I'm going to go look more into that. It's just about learning and then trying it and figuring out what works for your body because it's not the same for everybody. Totally. And it feels that like in sports in general, just over the last 20 to 25 years, uh, the longevity of the athlete has really improved. And that's through weight training and through diet. And I think that as time goes on, once people kind of figure out that, okay, I cannot really be eating meat every single day in order to be at the top of my performance and people realize that okay maybe clearing out my cells and trying to get this inflammation down by not eating for or not eating lunch this maybe this will work maybe this will you know try this and that because athletes in general are so committed and you see everything that they're doing outside of their body pumping weights uh eating every x amount of hours training super hard but it just, I feel that like people in America in general overeat. And if people in general are overeating, then it's likely the case that professional athletes are overeating because a doctor will tell you one thing about your knee and be like, all right, well, you got to rest it and take anti-inflammatories. All right, dude. So where do I take it from here? You know, the doctor told me my knee looks swollen. Yes, my knee does look swollen. Am I going to need to have surgery? Whatever. I go get an MRI. It's too swollen to tell but i I think that there are definitely steps that people need to do their own research before you just fully listen in into a doctor that might not know what he's talking about 
Right, because I mean, these anti-inflammatories, like, all right, so they're, you know, taking the inflammation out of my knee. What's it doing to my stomach? What's it doing to my liver? Like all these things that I've learned, you can, you can get it through your diet and, you know, the nutrients that you take in. And there are so many just natural herbs and spices and all these things that can just really help your body instead of, you know, you should be looking to try and use those before you're going to the Advil, the ibuprofen and, and all that. Good thought, man. Joe Zangy, episode 53, man. What we didn't expect to have that fasting combo, intermittent fasting combo at the end. I'm happy we had it. I know Pat is fired up about it too. He's been wanting to talk about it, but Joe, thank you so much for joining the Ted Jones world podcast episode 53 here on Apple podcast, Spotify, YouTube, and we will talk soon, man. Good luck on your journey to the major leagues. We will see you on TV soon. And just a quick check in on Christy on before I let you guys just look on Google yourselves and find out who won this match Four five thirty, all Christy on serving. This is going to be a massive point, but you guys should just go ahead and Google it. Joe, thank you so much, my man. We will talk soon. Pat, Pat, thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you, man. Thank you. Take care.